In this episode of Lawyer Business Advantage, I have a conversation with Sophie Alcorn, Alcorn Immigration Law's founding attorney. Sophie shares her powerful story as a single mom building a nationwide immigration practice from the ground up. Along the way, you'll learn the business development tactics that she used to put herself on the national stage. Sophie's inspiring story is coming up right now on Lawyer Business Advantage. Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, your source for biz dev tips, wisdom, and inspiration. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik. We're unleashing your inner rainmaker in three, two, one. It's my pleasure to welcome Sophie Alcorn to the show. Sophie Alcorn is the founding attorney of Alcorn Immigration Law and is an immigration and nationality law specialist certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. She is the leading immigration attorney in all of Santa Clara County that includes Silicon Valley with this designation. Sophie founded Alcorn Immigration Law in Mountain View, California in 2015. Since then, Sophie has been quoted in publications around the globe, including the New York Times, The Guardian, Financial Times, and The Atlantic. She is a regular speaker at the Global Tech Crunch Conferences and has been sought after speaker on immigration for numerous other conferences and events. She advises several nonprofits and Silicon Valley startups, including Global EIR, Project Ellis, and Avid Innovations. The American Institute of Legal Counsel has named Sophie Alcorn one of the 10 best immigration lawyers in California in 2019. And her firm, Alcorn Immigration Law, won the Women Business Enterprise Excellence and Growth Award in 2019 for being one of the fastest growing certified women-owned companies in the Pacific region of the United States. Sophie is also the host of the podcast Immigration Law for Tech Startups, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. So tune in if you'd like to learn about uh, visas and green cards in Silicon Valley. Sophie, welcome to the show. So happy to have you with us. Thank you so much, Alay. It is great to be here. I'm so excited to see everything that you're working on and to be a part of this podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. You know, every time we talk, your bio gets longer and longer and just <laughs> rewards. So congratulations on all your success. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You and I have talked quite a bit and, uh, and obviously I'm familiar with your story, but our listeners may not be familiar with your story and it's, it's so compelling. I find it very inspiring. I would love to hear if you could share with us what drove you to start Alcorn Immigration Law. Okay. All right. Thank you. Well, um, about four and a half years ago, I was a stay-at-home mom to a one-year-old and a four-year-old. I had taken a break from my career as an immigration lawyer and moved to the Bay Area with my ex-husband, where I'd you know, I'd previously grown up and practiced in Southern California and um, with my dad. So he was an immigration lawyer as well. And I was really struggling doing the mommy thing full time. Uh, that's a hard job. That's been harder than, than <laughs> yeah. starting my law firm and growing that's it frankly, for me. Yeah. So I have so much respect for people who do that and 
and, and admiration for people who do that and enjoy it. Um, and I love my kids. They're great, but I'm not cut out to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. And so I was starting to get the first inklings of that about five or six years ago. And um, there, you know, I lost my dad early due to an accident. So I just, I got this middle of the night phone call that he had passed and it was something none of us were ready for. And he had ended up making other arrangements for his law firm. And here I was um, in Silicon Valley as the mom of these two little kids. And I was, you know, eventually I realized I was looking at getting divorce and I needed to figure out a way to take care of myself and my kids and stay in Silicon Valley. And, you know, life is hard. Sometimes we all have these moments of transition, these turning points that, you know, shape us and force us to make decisions that we wouldn't otherwise be willing to make. And so I definitely found myself in that position. And there were some really dark and lonely times where I I didn't know if things were going to be okay. But in those moments, I realized that at least I could make a difference in somebody else's lives by starting my law practice again. And so I did cases out of my kitchen, holding my kids, working in the middle of the night, um, you know, trying to mix baby food and write legal briefs at the same time. And and that's that's how it started. And I didn't really intend to have this international brand, although it's really fun and I love it. Um, but back then it was like, oh, do I, you know, spend $200 on a portable printer so that I can go to the Starbucks and print out some documents for my clients when I'm meeting them there to sign things? And what I, I, you know, I I just made a commitment early on that I was going to treat my clients with integrity and compassion and honesty and being clear and communicative and trying to make this experience about them. And that really paid off. And so one thing led to another and the demand quickly, quickly grew. And, um, you know, as I was going through my divorce and I decided to grow this law firm. So it's been really exciting. And, and what, was, what was the realization for you? So you know, at, at some point you realized you had a stable firm, the firm was doing well, you probably had more demand than you had capacity and maybe you had to make a choice of do you grow this thing or do you stay small? You, yeah. You a little bit about, about that point in time and what your, what your thought process was there. So immigration law is interesting because it's very complicated legally and a lot of the work is very rote and routines. So you know, I've done a lot to learn about other law firms and how law firm business models work and how mine could work. And I get the sense that in like a business corporate law environment, there could be a couple of attorneys to one paralegal but the ratio is completely different in immigration law. And so I had to make a choice really early on because I was just getting super frustrated filling out forms and compiling packages of documents. I mean, I love counseling. I love legal research. I love figuring out the arguments, but a lot of the work um, is more routine 
And I really wanted to spend my time helping people and making money <laughs> because, <laughs> because, and so I actually hit the point of burning out on some of the admin work before I was really in that, you know, financially in the clear for starting this firm. I just knew that this was the best opportunity I had going for me. And in order to make it work, I, I definitely required a team. So it was one of the like assumptions that I had to build into my model early on in order, in order to make it work. You know, what you've done is pretty amazing as a, as a single mom to be Thank able you. to start a law firm and launch it and be successful. That's, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, you know, um, how did you balance you know, growing the firm with, with managing your kids? Uh, there's no balance. That's a myth. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretend. Um, it's, it's a constant juggling act. And I will say the one thing that's gotten easier as we've grown, because now we have, I have 18 W-2 employees across the United States plus contractors. So I'm not working less. And I actually, you know, I was thinking about applying to jobs in San Francisco to work for other people's immigration law firms. And I remember writing the cover letters and it said something like, I'm Sophie. I will help you bring in clients. I like social media marketing, which I did for my at home bread baking business temporarily. And I really like going to events and meeting people. So please hire me for a part-time job so I can help you get a lot of business. Um, and then when I, I never even sent the cover letter, <laughs> I read the thing and I was like, well, this doesn't make sense. Why am I going to commute, you know, two hours each day to work for somebody else to bring in clients for them when they're probably just going to want me to do like, the forms and the drafting, but I actually want to get out there and meet people and be involved in the community and do public speaking and, and get out there. So, so there was that, but there is no balance. Um, it's just that, oh man, um, the more I follow my heart, the more my work becomes play. And so when the kids are saying, mommy, why do we have to go to school? And I'm saying, it's the law, get dressed, go. Like you can't miss school. Um, and we were joking about it. And then, you know, the next day we made this giant checklist on a whiteboard so that they would get their socks and shoes on on time. And I put as one of the things that they had to do is have fun and play before school started. And they said, but mommy, you haven't had fun and played yet. So we can't leave yet. I said, uh-uh, but that's what I'm going to do. I get to go play at work all day. Like, that's, that's the secret. People think that you have to go to work at work, but I go to work to play. And so it's, it's that in doing the really scary thing of following my heart and not knowing what the outcome was going to look like with each step forward, things have gotten more fun. I'm more in the flow and so uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that constant juggling of too many tasks that i'm not happy doing all the time now it's like ooh which awesome thing do i get to focus my energy and attention on and it's become inspiring and then that's a really great positive feedback loop 
That's awesome. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because, you know, that there are not a lot of attorneys and not a lot of law firm owners that have worked to get into that position. So um, it's really mm. awesome what you've done with the firm. Thanks. Um, and now you've grown it nationally and the firm just continues to grow. Mm-hmm. There are other attorneys that, you know, have tried to do what you do, but they haven't been successful. Um, and so one thing my listeners would really benefit from, I think, is just, you know, could you expound a little bit on what has been your approach to growing your firm? Sure. So I see everybody as a potential mentor and it doesn't have to be a formal relationship. It doesn't have to be somebody with more technical experience than me. When I'm out, so one of the reasons I love this particular niche of immigration law in Silicon Valley is that when I'm out networking and meeting people, I'm talking to startup founders from around the world and their investors and advisors. So being in this network is super exciting because I get to have, you know, 10 interesting conversations every day learning about how different business models work and software as a service and artificial intelligence and what is the future of business going to look like. So I really get curious and inspired about that. I remember at the beginning crying in the middle of the night, calling my mom and and she does HR in Southern California and just saying like, where's the franchise? I just want to buy the law firm in the box. (laughs) Why doesn't this exist? How do I know if I'm doing it right? How do I, like, where's the, you know, you could find an offer letter online, but like, where's the, you know, corporate, um, like, how do you get people to like work for you and be happy and know what they're supposed to do? And it's taken a lot of, a lot of diligence, time, effort, a lot of, really a lot of investing into ongoing behaviors that lead to the growth of the business, not um, fly-by-night strategies to try to quickly bring in cases to make payroll um, right, you know, right before the end of the month or something like that. And so I probably, you know, could have taken more profit out sooner, but this is a very long-term vision for me. And It really matters to me that I create a great work environment based on our firm core values of integrity, compassion, creativity, and rigor, um, that we have the right seats on the bus and the right people are in the right seats, that we build out systems, procedures, templates, questionnaires, that we use technology to automate things, and that we're doing everything with our client in mind of, will this make it easy for them? Will they understand this? Because at the end of the day, you know, they're suffering because there's something blocking them from being able to get what they want and need. And so we're supposed to make that easier for them. That's why they pay us. So constantly working to refine the business and it's not always easy. Um, I've made a lot of, a lot of mistakes (laughs) along the way. Some of them were expensive mistakes, but 
uh, that's how you learn. So I see everything as a learning opportunity. And the other metaphor that I like is from Michelangelo, the Renaissance sculptor who said something about how, you know, people were like, wow, how do you create such great sculptures? And he basically said that, you know, he uses his chisel to reveal the form that's already within the rock. It's just hidden. And so that's what I like to keep in mind about this firm that like there is this ideal, amazing, optimum, fantastic, well-functioning, happy law firm that's, you know, just, it's there and it's waiting for us and we're just revealing it one little step at a time. That's fantastic. It's very similar to um, what I do with a lot of my clients, which is we figure out what their perfect practice is. There you go. Once we understand that, then everything we do, you know, leads us closer to that. Right. Um, A lot of my friends want to ask me how I, I did this or for me to help them, but that's exactly right. And I'm so glad you start there because my ideal firm is so different than other people. And, you know, there's other moms with the same age kids and a similar practice background. And maybe the best thing for them is to spend, you know, 20 hours a week on client work and seven hours a week on admin and nothing else. Right. And so the firm that can fulfill those needs is completely different than, than what I'm building and what works for me. That's what's ironic, right? You think, okay, well, I'm going to build a law firm. Well, other people have built law firms and other people have built immigration firms. Shouldn't that blueprint just be out there that I can just grab and replicate? Like, why do I have to waste, you know, or sorry, not waste, invest. Right. (laughs) You know, thousands of hours and tens of thousands of dollars trying to figure all this stuff out. Um, but the solutions that have worked for other people don't always work, you know, for you. Everyone's got to find their own path. And the clientele is so different. The type of firm that you build to help Ethiopian refugees is totally different than the type of firm that helps university researchers, which is totally different than my type of firm, which is Silicon Valley technology professionals and entrepreneurs. And so you really have to hone in on, you know, whose problem are you trying to solve? And then how will you make that work for your life? And what you come up with is totally different. Yeah. And the constraints are different too, right? Some people are constrained on capital. Some people are constrained on time. Other people Mm -hmm. are juggling. You are, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I will also throw this out there in case it helps anybody who's listening. Um, I started my firm with nothing. We didn't invest anything into it. I just got about $8,000 worth of casework that I did in a two-week period, and that was my seed capital. And um, there was one you know, month that was really scary. I just... Um, file like the divorce had just been filed and I was a mess. I didn't know how I was gonna make payroll and I had received like thirteen thousand dollars from my dad's life insurance after he passed. So that's like that was my disposable cash. And I a lot of people would call this very foolish, but I believed in myself so much and what I was building 
that I took that $13,000, invested it into my business and used that to be able to pay my employees just so I could keep going that month. Um, so I didn't start with much, but determination. <laughs> but it's interesting because you're literally across the freeway from Google. I mean, you're five minutes away from Google headquarters. Yeah. And yet your uh, business, you really bootstrapped your way. You know, you started with nothing and you just built it up. There was no big injection of venture capital or any no, kind of No, no. And people say to me like, oh, I, I want to invest in your business. I'm like, well, are you a lawyer? Like, no. Well, sorry. I can't all take right. your money, you know? <laughs> but I've, I've thought about that quite a bit just because of this ecosystem about the model of uh, creating a, a legal technology company that's somehow connected um, but then, like, I, you know, there's this uh, tech law firm that got $75 million of funding a couple of years ago in San Francisco, and they just announced that they're laying off all of their 100 um, attorneys. So um, I'm not going to be optimizing for, like, technology versus law. I'm just optimizing for, you know, erasing borders for my core clientele, which is technology professionals. And so... You know, it could be one day that in order to meet their needs, we have to provide a totally different set of, of non-legal services. So I don't, you know, I don't know how technology will evolve or what that would look like, but, but I'm open to it because, because I've learned to stop thinking like a lawyer and start thinking like a business person. <laughs> you know, which, I mean, your marketing approach has been, has been really, um, well, I'll just say it's significantly different than that of many attorneys. Hmm. And I think a lot of a lot of that may have driven your success in the marketing arena. If your marketing approach is significantly different, you're going to get significantly different results. And so how would you describe your philosophy when it comes to marketing? <laughs> That's, I, I feel flattered to be asked that question. As you were phrasing it, I was just thinking that I'm like a type A teacher's pet who always tried to get the awards in high school so I could go to a good college. <laughs> so I kind of feel like I've just extended that into my practice. So like whenever there's an opportunity to, you know, be like when some organization is calling for nominations, I will like, you know, actually ask my friends to nominate me and support me and help me. And I will approach people and offer to do speaking gigs for them. I've hosted, I've had my own meetup group. Um, we have the podcast. It's, it's been a lot of, a lot of testing of different things. And I haven't had the resources really to do huge, like controlled AB testing on different marketing techniques. But I can say that for my, clientele what's working is positioning myself as a thought leader in the immigration space for tech for tech immigration and so I mean that that's, that's the thing like I just I love the marketing piece it is so fun for me I've, I've to go give talks I used to be completely paralyzed and frightened and scared, but I just had to keep doing it. And I saw that it was bringing me leads. So it was worth it to get over my fears. And I've invested in speaker coaching and 
writing, coaching, and lots of different things. I've had a, I've had blog writers support me. So it's definitely not something I try to do all by myself. It's a, it's a big part of our firm and we're getting more sophisticated with it as time goes on. Yeah, there's a lot of lessons uh, in there. Someone who's maybe on the outside looking in probably thinks, oh, this comes so easily to Sophie and she's such a natural and she's just super talented. And all that may be true, but it's important to know that you were you were you were uncomfortable when you got started into this. I was so uncomfortable. I thought the biggest thing between me and practicing law was that I was fat after having babies and none of my suits fit me. And I was too scared to get the box of suits out of the attic and even try them on because I had so little self-confidence that I didn't want to realize like how much weight I had gained having kids. Like ridiculous. Like a box of suits was in between me (laughs) practicing again. Um, No, like this is, I have so much empathy because I've, I've been through it and these things were not easy for me at first. And it was really, really scary. Like I didn't, I knew I could always figure out the law, but then when I was busy doing the cases, there was nobody to bring in money. So then it would be like, oh crap, how am I going to, you know, get the next bit of money? And it was this constant alternation. And I really just, you know, I don't know. Like if I had, um, okay, so no regrets. I'm so grateful for every challenge that's happened to me in my life because I really love where I am and I'm so appreciative of all of these amazing, you know, things, experiences and opportunities that that I've been able to have. That being said, moving forward, if it could take things that are easier to deal with than like divorce and my father's unexpected passing and, you know, having PTSD from me too things that I also had to deal with. If it could take less things like that to completely turn my life upside down so that I'm more willing to be flexible and learn and grow, even when I'm not in a crisis position, I would love that moving forward. (laughs) (laughs) Why does all this drama and hardship and stress need to be involved? (laughs) Exactly. Like I'll just, (laughs) so, so now, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing though, but it's like, I was so closed off from who I was and what I wanted that it was really hard to follow my heart. And people would say that and I would roll my eyes and I would just be really jealous that there were like, optimists in the world who seem to have good things going for them. But I really just didn't have a choice. So I had to keep going. And now that I know which direction I'm going in, it's easier to pay attention to my emotions and my heart and check in with my gut about, you know, is this a good opportunity? Is this worth learning about? Is this worth exploring? Or is it taking us in a direction that isn't right? And I didn't know what that direction was for so long because it was scary to commit. It was scary to say no to certain case types to focus on others because, you know, what was that going to do to cash flow in the short term? But so I just have so much empathy for anybody who is, is willing to, to think about this or to consider it because it takes a lot of courage and that's, 
really powerful. And, and so I just, I just want you to like to your listeners to know that if they're thinking about this, if they're scared by it, you're not alone. You can figure it out. There are so many resources and the most important thing so that you are willing to stick with it is that you're following your heart. So if this is not what your heart is saying, um, it's, you know, it might not work out. Um, but if it's something you really want, then there's nothing that can actually stand in your way. I agree. It's just business development after all. <laughs> yeah, right, right. There's people right. whose job this is. They, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and everyone can do business development. I, I fully believe that there's a rainmaker inside all of us. And mm-hmm. so your style is going to be very different from mine. Yeah. But both can be very effective, you know? Exactly. And exactly. so, yeah, I love that you said that uh, to our listeners. Thanks for that. And, and there's a lot of attorneys who are listening who are probably just getting into business development or who are looking to really accelerate their results in that area uh, and really start taking it seriously, maybe for the first time and focusing on it. Yeah. Um, what advice well, would you give to them? Yeah, I've, I've invested a lot in training my team and myself on sales and how to do you know, high value professional services sales. I was so, you know, I thought sales was a dirty word. I was so embarrassed that I had to take money for my services that I couldn't just do everything pro bono for all the people who needed it. So it took a lot for me to get over that and to believe in myself and set flat fee prices that actually reflected the time and labor involved and also reflected the value of the outcome to my clients. Uh, That was really scary. Just committing to the fact that I'm worth it and what I'm creating is worth it. But it's a constant, it's constant refinement. And I have a process that I use in, in different um, consultations and sales conversations with people. And it just fundamentally boils down to where are you now? What's holding you back? Where do you want to be? Like, what are the blockers and how can we support you to move forward? So it's really not about, you know, I'm Sophie Alcord and this is great. And here's how an H1B works and here's the steps. Nobody cares. They don't want to know. <laughs> they're, they're, just, they're just freaking out that they can't get their employee here or they can't leave the big tech company to start their own startup, even though somebody is dangling millions of dollars in their face, but their visa is tied to their employer. So that's the human element. That's, and, and I don't care what your type of law is. It, it all boils down to, you know, there's a human need at the base of this. And so if you have your, so in my experience, if you have your rainmaking sales conversations tied in to that, they will be a lot more effective because you're actually providing value to people that they can appreciate. There's a, there's a phrase that uh, really just jumped into my mind. One of the things I love uh, when I talk about business development, people don't, sorry, let me get this right. Um, No one knows, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. It, It all starts with really demonstrating that caring component and then everything else flows from there. Exactly. Exactly. People want to be seen, known, heard, felt. And this is why we're also counselors at law. 
there's really this, this human compassion piece that's so important. So that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful saying, Alay. And, and you live, well, I wish I came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you actually live this uh, philosophy quite a bit. So tell us a little bit about Dear Sophie, which is your advice column. Yes, thank you. So I write for the online technology newspaper TechCrunch, which is very big in the startup founder community, um, also with investors and in different startup ecosystems, not just in Silicon Valley, but also all around the world. And we recently launched, it is now a, a weekly advice column. It's called Dear Sophie. And I still get this embarrassed grin about the whole thing because it's just this idea that came to me in the shower one morning when I was thinking, oh my God, wouldn't it be so hilarious if I could pull off writing a Dear Abby style advice column, you know, like the dating thing in the newspapers in the 90s, but transform it into immigration advice for startups and their employees. And I had already been working with TechCrunch over the last year and um, became one of their verified experts because I asked friends to recommend me. And that's the whole thing that started this relationship. And then, you know, from there, got to know the editorial team and started speaking at their events. And so this was a natural progression. And it's been really fun. And, you know, apparently there's like tens of thousands of people around the world who read these articles. And my, my friend was at a party, I'm in San Francisco. My friend was at a party in LA last weekend and she said, Oh my God, you live in San Francisco to this guy. Uh, my friend Sophie's an immigration lawyer up there. And he's like, Oh, Sophie Alcorn from TechCrunch. I read all of her stuff. And so <laughs> it's really funny because because like I just cannot express enough about the contrast from like those early baby days when I was so fat and so exhausted and felt like I had no professional identity that I didn't even like, oh, I'm not even a lawyer. Nobody's going to trust me. I've, you know, nobody will ever believe that I'm a lawyer again. Like I was so, I was, I, it was just such a low point. So I know yeah. it can be done because <laughs> so now it just it just cracks me up. It's fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And I've read some of the entries there and it's pretty amazing. You get inquiries from all around the world. It's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 We do. We do. Yeah, and that was another branding decision I had or insight and decision that I that I had, which is um hmm. So, you know, politics is a big part of immigration because it's, it's federal, it's in the news a lot. Mm -hmm. And so one of my early exposures in, in the PR space was after the most recent presidential election, I went onto a website called Periscope, I think, that was doing live video posting. And I, I had like a three minute video about the Muslim ban and I was almost crying and I was like so stressed out and shaking and like running my hands through my hair and I was really sad and it just felt really crazy. And that video actually got um, 
got like 17,000 views. And, but I've had to, I've thought hard about the approach that I want to take and my voice that I'm using in the articles I write and the speeches that I give. And I've decided that there's enough fear mongering in my area of the, of the world with this field of law and that I don't want to use scare tactics or frighten people into hiring us. And I've decided that I, you know, sometimes I worry that the voice I write in is almost too Pollyanna-ish with exclamation points and stuff. But I want to be a counterpoint um, in all of this rhetoric that says, you know, follow your heart. If this is your goal, you can find a way. Let's be strategic. You've got this because I want people to believe in themselves. And so, um, you know, different different um, marketing vendors who I work with don't necessarily get that at first because mm. it's different than a lot of commonly used techniques. Um, but it's really important to me. So that's something I definitely want to continue. Yeah. You were being authentic about that and you're being intentional about it. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that's, uh, that's commendable. And the fact that, you know, not a lot of other people are doing it is, is only a good thing, right? It's how you stand out. Yeah. And this is a business development podcast. So look, I think it sells. I think happiness and inspiration sell. And so <laughs> there you go. There's another reason to do it also. It certainly feels a lot better, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, that's what I want. Of course, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got a lot of irons in the fire. You've got your podcast, the Dear Sophie column, all the other business developments you do, all the speaking you do. What excites you about Alcorn Immigration Law uh, as you head forward? Mm, I'm writing a book. I'm writing three books, and um, I'm getting an agent for the first book, which is going to be Immigration Law for Tech Startups. So, you know, that's a new experience. I've never been in that world before. Um, and, you know, we're growing a lot with the firm. We're filling six positions this quarter. So I'm really excited because um, now that we have our core values and we have a great operations team, our hiring process is getting better and better and we're attracting um, really great members to be a part of our team. So it's exciting to be working with amazing people. Um, I love traveling around the world and meeting new people. And um, I think I just got invited to um, potentially give a TEDx talk. So that's another <laughs> life goal. <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun. It's really fun. That's so, yes. great. <laughs> thank you. Well, Sophie, thank you, much. thank you so much for being on the show. It's always a delight to speak with you and to hear all the growth and success and authenticity that you bring. Thank you oh, so much. Thank you so much, Alay. It's always great talking with you. And thank you for the compassion that you bring to dialogues and how you're always so supportive. So it's great to be here. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And that's Sophie Alcorn, founding attorney of Alcorn Immigration Law. Sophie's the host of the podcast, Immigration Law for Tech Startups which is available wherever you get your podcasts and maybe where you got this one. So 
Tune into her podcast if you'd like to learn about visas and green cards in Silicon Valley. Sophie, thank you again. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap. To get more episodes, webinars, and free stuff, visit LawyerBusinessAdvantage.com. My name is Alej Yajnik. Thank you for listening. And remember, there is a rainmaker inside everyone, including you.